Welcome to Boston's Best, a podcast where you go behind the scenes with financial planner Mark Condon as he asks industry-leading experts in and around Boston to talk about their businesses. Mark will find out what sets these companies apart from their competition and how they have risen above the inevitable challenges they have faced along the way to their ultimate success. And now, here's your host, Mark Condon. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to episode 76 of Boston's Best, brought to you by Condon Productions. The goal of this podcast is to highlight businesses in and around Boston. My guest on today's podcast is Mike LaMagna. Mike is the founder of Long Wharf Supply Company, a clothing brand that makes sweaters from recycled oyster shells, recycled water bottles, and natural lamb's wool. I'm going to say this once. No, after you place an order, you will not be receiving a sweater with oyster shells sticking out of it. Mike's story is awesome. Three days after he was born, he was on a boat going down the Merrimack River in Newburyport. Needless to say, he grew up on the water, and that's where his passion started. After school, he moved to New York City, where he had a mentor who was always investing in companies, and Mike loved the idea of entrepreneurship. This is where the two worlds collided into Mike's story. After spending years on the water, Mike saw how much plastic and waste was left in the ocean, and he wanted to do something about it. Each oyster naturally filters 50 gallons of seawater every day. Insert Long Wharf Supply Company, where they make waste into wool. They make high-quality materials, and every piece they make helps to reseed coastal oyster reefs. And be sure to listen to the end, as Mike shares the advice he'd give to someone looking to start their own business, what he would tell his 18-year-old self, and how he defines success in any given year. And so, with that introduction, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Boston's Best. Good morning. This week, we have Mike LaMagna. Mike is the founder of Long Wharf Supply Company. How you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Excited to have, have you on Boston's Best. Like first, I did come across you initially off of Shark Tank. So <laughs> when I saw you on it, my wife and I are huge fans of the show, and we've recorded them for the last, like I don't even know, a few months because we we have a, a newborn. So we've been catching up on it, and I came across you on, on there. I was like, oh, he's from Boston? Like I got to reach out to them. Yeah, a little fall, winter binge. Yeah. Uh, I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, thanks again for coming on. Appreciate the time. You know, before we get into Long Wharf, tell us a little bit about yourself. Did you grow up from Mass- like in Massachusetts? Are you from around here? Yeah, yeah. So I'm originally from Andover, Mass. Come from a big Irish Italian family up there. Played sports yeah. my whole life. I mean, it's typical like greater Boston area story for the most part. You know, been on the water since kind of few days after I was born. It's just been a family passion of, of ours forever. Yeah. Uh, we can get a little more into the inspiration later on, but sure. that's kind of the nuts and bolts. Hockey, lacrosse, you know, we just built the outdoor rink last weekend. So, nice. you know, if you're from the Boston area, it's kind of cookie cutter, everything we've experienced from, from growing up in the region. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Fair enough. So did you, did you go to school in the area? Um, did you go elsewhere? What about, uh, what about that? Yeah. School for me was an interesting journey. Like went to Andover high played lacrosse. Uh, I went down to Quinnipiac University uh, to play for a year. Values started shifting when it came to collegiate sports. Played a ton, had a blast. Uh, Still in contact with some of my closest friends in my life from that year, but kind of turned my eyes towards what was going to happen after school very quickly. And I transferred to Merrimack College, close to home, just started working. Started doing as many internships as possible to figure out kind of what I liked and what I didn't like when it came to the working world. Yeah, I was the same way. I, I went a little bit into college and then uh, just started working pretty much in the middle of college and um, just been working ever since. So before you got into obviously starting your own company, what was some of the jobs that you did 
afterwards that eventually ended up, you know, getting you to start Long Wharf? Yes. So I, I mean, growing up, it was, you know, the same as everyone, like restaurants, any summer job we could, working lacrosse camps, different bars and restaurants again, worked lobster boats for a while growing up, worked at a fish pound, the whole deal. And then right after school, I kind of found my way into a situation where I did an internship during my senior year down in New York City. And if you asked me before that internship, if I'd ever live or work in New York, I would have laughed at you. I don't know if I even been to New York other than like to visit my aunt and uncle a couple of times before yeah. that. But I got into working for this entrepreneur investor at his family office where they had he had been very successful founding some brands and being an early investor in different brands. So like he had co-founded big fashion label called Tory Birch. Um, oh yeah. Early investor in Boss Water, Jawbone, um, awesome. Chubbies, Solid and Striped. So you know, I was uh, early on. I was a fly on the wall in this environment where like what I was seeing on a day-to-day basis is a world that like most people don't even know about yeah. at the end of the day. Always kind of had some sort of um, entrepreneurial bug a little bit. Knew I'd do something for myself. Just wasn't quite sure what it was going to be. So, you know, kicked around the working world doing finance and operating jobs for early stage concepts down in New York before it was kind of time to time to do my own thing. Okay. So in what year did you officially start Longworth? That's a tricky question. What year did it start in my head or, or on paper? Yeah, both. I mean, yeah, and then when did it come yeah, to fruition? Yeah, I mean, it's like a culmination of years and, and probably decades at the end of the day. But like officially launched Long Wharf very end of 2016. I think it was like October 23rd, 2016. The site went live. And the inspiration behind it was I was in New York. You know, I really loved the city, although it's kind of funny because a lot of people who are passionate about my lifestyle and who grow up fishing and among the outdoors and stuff like that, like doesn't really jive with them. But I love the fast pace of it. And I love meeting new people literally every single day. Yeah. So I was living this city to the seaport lifestyle. And, you know, I'd grown up with tons of heritage brands that we've all seen and we all know the names. And at some point in time, we've all had, you know, one of their polos or one of their garments. And I just looked around and like, I couldn't relate to the stories they were telling anymore. And 2016, that time period was when kind of content and authenticity were really just starting to become essential elements of e-commerce brands and brands that live online um, and the storytelling behind them. Right. It's like, oh yeah, the way I view it, it's like you basically tells your stories and then like people eventually relate to that and then they see why you build certain goods for certain occasions or whatever and then that's how things kind of come together so like i said started in 2016 i wanted to outfit this city to the seaport lifestyle with travel goods that blended kind of an elevated aesthetic and authentic storytelling approach to heritage grade quality that a lot of us had grown up with. That was the concept early on. And, you know, I, I just, at some point it was like, get this off the ground. It's either going to happen or not. So you got to, got to jump in full, full steam ahead at some point. 
Yeah. Did you always, did you always have an idea that it was going to be clothing that you were going to do when you eventually started your own business? No, not at all. So I should have, I should have detailed that a little bit better. Um, it started with travel accessories. So like oh, wax, no canvas, leather bags and accessories, just because I was like, I found myself running out of my apartment in the city and either jumping on a, you know, train or on a bus. And like, I was starting to show up to either girlfriend's parents' houses or weddings. And like, yeah. I wanted something that like, you know, wasn't like a ratty sports bag that yeah. like we had in fifth grade. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and also could withstand like weekends on the boat when I was either like, you know, helping my buddy on his squid boat or like jumping on my buddy's boats up here and, and going away for a few nights. Yeah. So that's where it all started. And, yeah. you know, I can go further down the path of like, you know, that whole piece of it, you know, accessories early on as a bootstrap business, I realized I created my own worst enemy in the sense that if I did my job correctly with a high quality product, you're looking at a weekender bag, you buy it and you really don't need another one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I learned that kind of in the first year or two of the business. And then I realized, you know, if this thing was going to be cash flowed and bootstrapped that like we had to be able to turn over our inventory a little more often. So I yeah. started looking at seasonal assortments and telling the brand story through those kind of collections. And that's where that kind of inspiration and, and pivot started. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, at the end of the day too, people, people relate to stories. I, essentially like people think businesses, businesses selling like businesses stories. If people can relate to you and know your story and like you, they're eventually going to support your business uh, more so than somebody else that they can't relate to, you know? So tell, give us a little background. That's a huge element. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So give us a little bit, like what are some of the early success? So that's like a challenge that you first experienced when you realized, you know, you want to create uh, you know, some more product to to turn through. What are some of the early successes that you experienced when you started Long Wharf that you kind of knew you were onto something, you know, uh, for the greater good long term? To realize those successes, the reality is it takes years, yeah. and you kind of got to like you got to learn the hard way to a certain extent. But you know, it's just things that like they seem serendipitous at the time, or like they seem like you're kind of catching lightning in a bottle. But when you reflect on it, it's just like years of pounding the pavement and meeting people and innovating and telling brand stories. Like, I mean, within the first couple of years of Long Wharf, we did hundreds of pop-ups. And like, yeah. I told people all the time, it wasn't necessarily selling the product as much as it was getting in front of people, telling your story and not knowing who you're going to meet. Like we, at some point in time, and like, she doesn't even really know this, but like we did a pop-up and I stood in the pouring rain for five hours, you know, having a couple beers here and there. And eventually like didn't talk to a single person, didn't sell a single thing until the end of the day when I met a lady who happened to run corporate gifting and events for a huge multinational brand. One thing led to the next. She liked our stuff and we did, you know, custom orders for her for the next wow. year that literally kept the business alive. No, way. she doesn't even know this at the end of the day. <laughs> and it's just like that example of kind of getting out there and, you know, embracing the journey and the yeah. unknown where you'll find some of these successes along the way 
and you won't even realize their successes at the time, but it's really when you reflect on kind of the path and the history of things that you realize how pivotal they were at the end of the day. Oh shit. Huh? That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No idea. No idea. And that's happened. Like I can't even count how many times that's happened. It's just like one thing leads to the next and you meet someone and something works and you kind of just follow the breadcrumbs as I like to say. Yeah. And then, you know, we can kind of get into like our big inflection point launching the sweater collection, but like, you know, that's how it happens early on. It's, it's one thing just kind of leads to the next. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I had this conversation with, uh, like a, a partner of mine in, in my industry. And like, I remember saying, I don't know, I think it was like halfway through this year. I was like, dude, I, I feel like so many things have just like fallen on my lap over the last few months. And like, I feel like it's lucky and I can't count on it. He's like, that's kind of what happens after you're in your bi- in the business for a handful of years, just like bootstrapping feet on the ground, trying to talk to as many people as you can and just get to, oh yeah, get, just get to know as many people as you can and build a network. He's like, eventually things just happen. And then it turns into a snowball and like, no, like technically you can't like uh, depend on it something big happening each year, but it just, it does because of how much effort you've put into leading up to it. And a lot of people, a lot of people will give up early on because it just takes so long to get that snowball going. And then eventually it really does. And then it's just, it's just the, you know, it's a, it's just a a domino effect. Everything just culminates and culminates and continues to happen for you. It's just kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite quotes of all time, Steve Jobs said, if you look closely most overnight successes like took a really long time or something like that. And the reality is like at surface level, these things look like luck, but it's really just a culmination of what you've learned and like what you do when opportunities kind of present themselves. Yeah. And follow follow the breadcrumbs. I like that. I'm going to steal that phrase. phrase. You mentioned about the, uh, like the next inflections point about the sweaters. So let's get into, into that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I told you for years, I'd been looking at kind of pivoting the the assortment that we offered as a lifestyle brand. And early days on photo shoots, creating content for the travel accessories, I'd always brought my dad's vintage fisherman sweater, which was like pulled out of the closet, almost like a family heirloom. And we shot, you know, really my friends who were the models yeah, yeah, in yeah. the sweater. <laughs> <laughs> or I brought it to an event and like would wear it at Christmas time. And like, it was always the conversation piece. So that was kind of like out there always thinking about like, you know, man, it'd be really cool to like create this in our own way at some point. And then 2019, I had met, you know, and had been working with some manufacturing partners who started talking about different, you know, sustainable yarns. They were trying to innovate on using recycled materials. They had talked about, you know, reclaiming oyster shells and fusing it with reclaimed water bottles to create recycled polyester. And like I had already been working with a few organizations that were focused on reseeding kind of wild oyster reefs to help balance out water quality and improve inshore waterways and, and inshore habitats and stuff. And it was like lightning in a bottle. I was like, oh man, I'm the guy to tell this story. Yeah. And we began sampling things through 2019. Through the uh, accessories assortment, I had built up a small wholesale channel and you know our spring purchase orders would ship April 1st, 2020. And 
we'd take my, the plan was to take all the cash flow from that and just roll it into an investment for the initial inventory on the sweater side, what would become our seawall collection. And April 1st rolled around and like, like most people, I did not see global pandemic coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that was a big kind of, you know, light bulb moment and yeah. you know, a week or two of panic and trying to trying to figure out what we'd do next and how I'd make this happen. And I looked at our customer base and said if we did anything well over the last couple of years, it was build some brand equity and build kind of a loyal customer base and following online. And I talked to a bunch of kind of close-knit advisors and my family and my sister. And we said, you know what, we're just going to turn to them and and we're going to rely on them to kind of fulfill our vision. So turned quickly towards a a Kickstarter campaign okay, and went all in on that, launched in July of that year, kind of pre-marketed it throughout the spring. And we just wanted to raise 20 grand uh, to fund kind of a, a initial minimum order quantity. And it was a smash hit. Like, I think we raised $44,000 on day one. And oh, like wow. day one, day one. Yeah. And it was like, it was cool. It was obviously like successful moment, um, something we'd been leading up to. I rolled all the cash from kind of that customer funded event and campaign into inventory for holiday 2020 last year, sold through the entire collection really quickly, parlayed that into kind of 2021 to just plan for pretty significant growth because that's kind of the moment when, you know, I thought we were onto something and Shark Tank was this year. That was like the biggest, the big focus kind of when we started down that path. And again, followed the breadcrumbs and yeah, like yeah. that whole story. Yeah. So what was, uh, what kind of prompted you to, and I don't know the process when it comes to Shark Tank, but like what kind of prompted you to reach out and apply to go on Shark Tank? Just, you know, seeking help from, you know, from the, the sharks and stuff like that, basically? Or Yeah. I mean, I really hadn't thought about it, to be honest with you, until yeah. the end of last year. And like, you know, we were contacted by a member of their casting team. And you kind of go through the process and you think about it. And I was like, you know what? This is an opportunity to get exposure for a bootstrapped business that I couldn't afford. And the reality was, you know, we never thought we would make it to airing. Like (laughs) we kind of thought it was a joke early on, but we had so much fun with the process and loved, you know, everyone who helped us out and guided us through that experience. And when we finally kind of got the go ahead and, and things were looking really good, you know, we, we were really, you know, excited. It felt like a culmination of really four years, of hard work and literally blood, sweat and tears and, and really just a little bit of validation, not just for us, but for our customers who, they funded the collection and like they funded years of the brand and like, and that's, you know, it was all thanks to them. And that's like really who we're most excited about, you know, kind of going on and and getting a little bit of recognition for. Yeah. So so they reached out to you initially. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's like, you kind of go back and forth a little. Oh, got it. And that's what happened to me. You know, I submitted an application from there. And then again, you kind of just put your faith in the process. And, and the nicest part about owning a business is like, or a, a brand is for me, at least is like, me and my family are just ourselves. It's it's totally yeah. like what you see is what you get. So yeah. like the way I viewed it was just a translation of years of all those pop-ups and telling the brand story yeah. and then kind of communicating the success we've had with our new collection um, and new direction. And then, you know, things kind of come together from there. Yeah. I mean, even like, even if you, like, I don't even remember if you got a deal and you can't talk about it, like that's totally fine. But like, even if you don't end up walking away with a deal for people that don't, like you get a nationally, a nationwide broadcast commercial of your business, worst case scenario, right? Like it seems like worst case scenario, all these people who weren't familiar with your company are now familiar with with your brand. And that alone is like you said, you couldn't afford it. Like that alone is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's an opportunity to tell your story. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's how like, whether it's Shark Tank or like I said, an event or like even walking into like some of our retail and wholesale partners for the first time like yeah every day is an opportunity to tell our story and like why i make things and why we design things a certain way and you know if you've got a great relationship with your customer i think they understand that and they relate to it and that's kind of where you know the magic happens so to speak yeah absolutely man um so so what are the full like suite of products that you guys uh sell now is it mainly just sweaters for the most part yeah Yeah. i mean when it comes down to manufacturing from scratch and designing something from scratch like there's so many like complicated steps to it like even this simple fisherman sweater like our montauk style that i'm wearing right now like you know there's probably 25 elements and steps that you have to cover between the fit the colors the tension of the knit before you even get into like manufacturing. So it's like, especially if you're selling and focusing on e-commerce, yeah. I highly recommend starting with just like, I would say like even one product and making yeah. sure that like you have a good customer base that you're speaking to and that you can reach profitably online yeah. before expanding. So like we have eight styles across men's and women's within the Seawall collection. And that's where we've started. Like it was obviously very important to our brand story and the inspiration behind it launching the line. Yeah. But you know, we're set up to really embrace this idea that we can recycle materials and remove them from the waste stream, create really high quality products that people love, and use that platform to, you know, right now reseed coastal oyster reefs within our local waters and kind of help benefit, you know, that end of things from a mission standpoint. So, you know, that's where things stand, but anyone out there who's watching this and like either has a small business or is looking to start one, I, I, I say, start small. You just got to build the foundation of a small assortment and concept and, and grow from there. Fair enough. No, it makes sense. Uh, it makes sense. A lot of people try to scale too big or try to do too many things at once that they spread themselves too thin. I read this book. It said, uh, like so many people, instead of focusing the 20% of your energy on five different things, like focus 100% of your energy on one thing, making sure it's perfect, and then building off of that and going from there. I see that happen too many yeah, times. 100%. People, 
people start in their own business and they just try to get too big too quick and they just, you know, it eventually doesn't work out. Um, yeah. And I totally get it. I mean, we all have tons of ideas and like, yeah. you know, if you're passionate about it, you want to attack it. But yeah, that kind of like focus is, is necessary to kind of yeah. do it successfully. I think. Yeah. agree. Essentialism. That's the name of the book. Essentialism. Um, cool. I'll look it up. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good read. And I didn't even know like just the, the way you guys make your clothing, like oyster, the oyster, like, I don't even know any of that was even possible or even a thing. Is that why you think you've been like so successful at this point? Cause you actually have a mission and you guys are doing so much more for the environment versus just, you know, versus like just creating clothing. Yeah. I mean, that's got a huge impact yeah. on kind of how we, you know, get customers and like yeah. why we garner why I'm able to garner some attention is because like, there's a shock factor, right? Like I get it all the time too. People are like, you know, they're like, they think like they're going to get our sweaters and like pieces of oyster are going to like stick out of the (laughs) collar and like jab them in the neck. But like, (laughs) you know, once you learn about like textiles, manufacturing and recycling, you know, either polyester or different kind of filaments, and then what you can do with it from there, you know, for me, it's like, I, th- I always thought it was pretty impressive before I started working on it and like always was interested in doing something with it, but it's just about doing it kind of my own way where the rubber met the road. Yeah. I mean, people actually thought they have like pieces of oysters sticking out of their sweaters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it all the time. That's pretty and I get it too. I, I mean, I love it because it means people are thinking about it. Yeah. It means like I've caught someone's attention and, and that's like, you know, that's the first step for a small business. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. So you've been around since 20, like officially since like 2016. How big, how did COVID make you pivot last year in, uh, you know, in any way specific, specific? Yeah, well, I mean, I obviously talked about the big pivot pivot during the pandemic. Like it just, it made me really rely on the digital presence that we had built. And like, it made me fine tune and commit a lot more effort to being able to run an e-commerce program profitably. Yeah. You know, I think early days, like a lot of the reason I did the pop-ups was like I had to get cash in the door to be able to invest in the growth of the business yeah. or to like help pay some of the bills. And like, you know, you do that by necessity. And I think it really set up the foundation for like a strong brand presence here and a strong relationship with our customer. But the pandemic and everything going virtually forced me just to like value the e-commerce process and the process of forming relationships with our customers online and through content forced it to just go to a whole new level. Yeah. No, it's awesome. So what do you see for the future of Longworth? You know, you're still like, you're a young guy too. Like the business has been around for a handful of years. What do you see for the future? You know, we've got a good thing going right now. And the reality is like with anything, I think you gotta, gotta, you gotta innovate or die to a yeah. certain extent. So for us, it's like category expansion. And ever since we launched the sweaters, we've been looking at like different things we can launch and make and different categories, whether it's shirting or outerwear or, you know, just different things here or there. That's kind of like step one is just, you know, small intentional expansion. Yeah that our customers kind of want to see. And then it's just about furthering our relationships on the mission-driven side. Like yeah. like I said, we've been working with 
a few organizations for years, but we're constantly getting outreach now that things are expanding about potential partnerships in other, you know, with other organizations. And nice. the more we can do for different communities, like whether it's up or up and down the coast or, you know, even throughout the Midwest, like according to kind of addressing water quality and different yeah. environmental initiatives, like I'm game to talk about because the, the conversation is where these things start and, and then the execution is followed up from there. So a lot of different directions we could go, but to our whole point throughout the conversation, it's just about starting really in a, in a focused way and putting one step in front of the other and just building the the expansion brick by brick, making sure things are done in the right way. Nice, man. One question I always like to ask business owners, and you're like you're obviously a young guy, so this is like a far far time away. But do you ever picture yourself like completely retiring? Like, or do you think you'll always have your hand in something? Like, I find like entrepreneurs always feel like they're gonna be doing something. I honestly I wrestle with that every day. Like, yeah. I try and envi- envision the future if things go well with the business, but like I don't know, it's it's a way of life for me now. Like originally, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, it's just the business, like you know, maybe I'll be able to pay myself someday, but like, it's so much more than that. It's, it's a lifestyle. And it's like, I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's fair. That's a tough one. I don't, I don't see myself like walking away from kind of doing things I'm passionate about. And that's what long wharf is right now. Like it's not a job. It's, it's my life, you know? Yeah. So we'll see. That's fair. No, that's kind of what I expected. I'm just always curious when I talk to other business owners. So outside of Long Wharf, what are some of the hobbies that you enjoy doing? You mentioned, you mentioned, you know, obviously boating, hockey, like anything else outside of that? Or is that basically? I mean, I'm a, I'm a fisherman first and foremost. Yeah. I mean, like it's been a passion of mine literally since the day I was born and it's not about catching the fish. It's about being out there and like yeah. having some quality time offshore and just like giving yourself some peace and quiet and time to think. And, and, um, that's kind of where I, I find myself, you know, being most creative is when I have time to just think while I'm on the water. You know, I love golfing me and, you know, I come from a big family from Andover, like me and my cousins, you know, we've got 13 cousins that are all a year or less apart and we're all really good friends. We grew up golfing together. So like, as much time as I can get out, you know, in season, I try to, but you know, I'll ski every once in a while, you know, anything I can do to kind of get out of the house is like, yeah, you know, where I, I try and try and release some energy, if you know what I mean. Yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a huge golfer too. Uh, I live in Framingham. So like I, I'm a member of the Framingham country club. I'll have you come down sometime. It's uh yeah. I'd love to grab around. That'd be it's awesome. A, yeah. It's a, it's a nice track. It's a really nice track. I'm not that good, but I enjoy going. Um, I'm there. I usually play at least once a week. I can get out twice. Uh, I get lucky and get out a couple of times, but, um, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Exact same boat. Nice, man. So last couple of questions before I let you go, I've asked everyone these questions on Boston's best. So I'd love to hear your answers. The first yep. one being, if you could tell your 18 year old self, one thing, what would you tell them? Relax. Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny, like, especially not so much in college, but right when you graduate, um, I look back and I think a lot of your early 20s are filled with pressure and expectations yeah. because you really haven't grown into yourself yet. And yeah. you don't know how to make you know, well-informed decisions on your own without any help from anyone else. And that comes with a lot of pressure, especially yeah. when we talk about you know, kind of career aspirations and, and what you envision for yourself. And 
I remember being so focused on that and feeling so much pressure around that. And like, at the end of the day, I think if you're doing stuff you're passionate about and that you love and you're working with cool people, it's like, you've got it made. I mean, like, so if you can just relax and like kind of trust the process a little bit and just attack every day with like some energy and passion, like you're going to be in a good spot. And and I didn't know that at 18, you know, I thought it was just about checking different boxes. And it's, it's so much more than that when you kind of get to a point where, you know, you're doing something that's fulfilling. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Like I remember when I graduated high school, it's like, all right, like you just said, check the box. Like, okay, I got to pick a, I got to pick a major at college. Like I'm 18. Like, I don't know what the hell, you know, I feel like you don't have enough of life experience to really have enough passions. Few and far between some people do. Right. But like, when you're that young, you need a, you need experience to figure out what it is you're passionate about, and then go from there and figure out how to create a passion into like a quote unquote job. Whereas you said this, yeah, is just lifestyle. It, one more huge thing, like to kind of go along with that theme, is like within that age range, you're always doing stuff like for your resume, for like a piece of paper. Like yeah. think about that. So yeah. I would recommend myself at 18, like go out and just have more conversations. Yeah. And, like the more people you meet like the better informed you are to make decisions for yourself. And you never know, like, you know, who you're going to work with or enjoy working with or who can help you. And like, you know, forget the piece of paper, man, just go out and meet as many people as humanly possible and, and stay true to what you're passionate about. Cause like no one spends time doing that at that age. They do what they're, they think they're supposed to do. Exactly. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. Like I remember so like I got into my industry five years ago and it started because I joined a CrossFit gym five minutes down the street from where I lived. And I just met this like a couple hundred people throughout this community and through those relationships ended up getting me to where I am now. And like, so putting yourself yeah. out there, talking to as many people as possible, like you never know where they're going to come from. And it's like, I would never be in this industry if it wasn't for even just that simple thing of joining you know, this community of people where I did like, no, like, it never would have happened. So. Exactly. All right, man. Last question. So everyone has a varying depiction of what success looks like to them. So how do you define success? I mean, I think we've kind of talked about it yeah. throughout the conversation. It's like yeah. doing something you're passionate about, like yeah. finding some fulfillment, you know, that's what it's all about at the end of the day, you know, and it, it doesn't have to be to fulfill someone else or like meet someone else's expectations. It's like, yeah. once you take the time to figure out who you are and what you're passionate about, and you're able to kind of, you know, pay your bills and, and make yeah. your way and figure it out, you know, doing that, you know, you've kind of, like I said, you step away from having a job and you really, you know, it's your life at that point. And, and that's success in my yeah. mind. I think I, I couldn't agree more. I totally agree with that. Mike, thanks for coming on Boss's Best, man. Really appreciate the time chatting about yourself and just Long Wharf Supply Company in general. Thanks, man. No, thanks so much. It was a blast. We'll uh, we'll catch up soon. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to say thank you for checking out my podcast. I really do appreciate the love I've received for this show. I believe now more than ever, any exposure to local businesses is great for them to receive, and I'm trying to do my part. If you are a local business owner or someone you know in the Boston area that would like to be featured on the podcast, please email me at bostonsbestpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please follow this podcast. It's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. You can also find us on Instagram with the handle at Boston's Best underscore podcast. 
as well as Facebook at facebook.com backslash Boston's Best Podcast. Again, I truly appreciate the great feedback for this show and stay tuned for each new episode every Friday at 8 a.m. Take care.